0: Me, good morning. How are you guys today? That's what I like to hear some loud crowd, amen. You know what they say is like um, when it comes to communicating with people, it's a kind of a two way deal. And I was thinking about this the other day is uh, you know, when you have a conversation with someone, say outside of church or wherever you're at, you're talking to someone, if you're talking, the other person usually gives a response, right? Just kind of like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, you know, give back. And then we come to church, and it's, everyone's just like, don't say a word, just <laughs> sit there. And you get the poor guy up on stage, namely me, who's trying to, like, give passion and to communicate, and I'm trying to look for, is this making sense? Is God getting through? Are you talking? And everyone's just like, oh, mm-hmm, yeah. So you know what? Get loud, guys. Let me know you're out there. Yeah! Let me know, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Preferably when I say something cool better than that, but... It just helps, and you know, when we're communicating one to, to another, I, you know, say whatever you want to say. I was telling my friend, think of new things to say, or whatever, because, you know, you got the people with the amens, which the, in the Bible says, so be it. It's a term of agreement, right? And then what else we got, Edna? We got amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and and Listen to that right there. That's what I'm talking about. So if you guys just want to give a big, come on, or preach it, or you know, whatever, it's not me, okay? This is what I'm not feeding for that. I'm feeding for Am I downloading something good from the Lord to you? Because if I am and I hear that, then I go with that thought. And if I know that the Lord is speaking to you, then I'm going to hang on to those things and I'm going to push in a little bit harder. It actually makes me a better communicator. Does that make sense? So it's cool. Give feedback. Yell. make up your own things. You know, I got my friend who was like trying to make up some own. I forget what he said the other day. Oh, if you hear someone just say, yeah, boy, or whatever, he's like coming up with his own stuff. I'm like, well, you know, there's a limit, but, (laughs) but encourage. It's cool. So anyways. How many of you guys were blessed by Pastor Tom's sermon on repentance last week? That was solid. I heard it all three Sunday morning services, and every time I was just taking no- more notes. And how many of you guys felt like eating sushi right after that message, right? Come on. He showed that movie, the clip, Jito G- Dreams of Sushi. Anybody go home and like watch that, Netflix that thing? Anybody here at all? Okay, a couple of you guys did. I wanted to really badly, but unfortunately my Netflix is stuck on Dora and Barbie, and I'm like, ah, couldn't get it away from my kids, but I'm going to go watch that thing. But that was a good word last week on repentance, one we all need to hear. Today, however, if you got your Bibles, iPhones, Androids, iPads, blah, 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 whatever, take them out, whatever you look at the Word of God on, take them out and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Do you guys hear me on that? Yeah. 2 chapters are you ready for two chapters do you think we can pull it off today two chapters we are going for it today by God's grace we're going to two chapters in second Corinthians because they're both on the same topic and we know that when Paul wrote it he was writing just a letter but the Bible scholars and the commentators and everybody they've broken up the Bible right into the different chapters but uh, but really what Paul's writing is this whole same topic chapter 8 and 9 is on how we should be godly givers. And that's what I've titled the, the sermon today. If you came for the first time today and you're going, oh man, I came the wrong day. This guy's trying to ask me to give money to his church. Oh, that always happens when I go to church. Actually, you're wrong. I'm not here to talk about tithing. I'm not here to... I'm just talking about a general attitude of generosity. That we as Christians have to understand that we should be the most generous in giving people on planet Earth because of what Christ has done for us. Amen? Because what we just did with taking communion there is reminding ourselves so we don't forget that we should be generous because God was so generous to us in sending Jesus and the life that we have and salvation that we have and eternal life to look forward to. All that we have, the power of the Holy Spirit, answering our prayers, doing all of this stuff in our lives. We better be thankful people, right? We better be people that want to give back to God and give to the needs of other people. So today's message isn't on tithing, although eventually we will get to one of those messages and I'm not even going to let you know because you won't come that day. But tithing is important, right? The 10%. But today is just a general sermon on us being godly givers. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that, and Paul's going to lead us into that in in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But um, there's a word that we're going to use here in Scripture today. The word is generosity. It's used several times in the Scripture. We read the Bible in English. We know it was originally spoken and written in other languages, right? In this case, Greek. We also know Hebrew, Aramaic. In this place, it was Greek, and the Greek word for the word that's used here in generosity, here's the translation, but basically the concept of what we're trying to talk about today. It talks about liberality, simplicity, sincerity. This word we're talking about, generosity, means free from pretense and hypocrisy, not self-seeking, having openness of heart proven by an attitude of giving. That we as Christians, as godly givers, we have to specify this, we are different than the world's givers. There's people in this world that are really nice people. They're charitable givers. They're really nice and they're like, oh yeah, I hear anything hospitable. That's good. But there's, there's something that's different about us as Christians is that we got to understand that our motives for giving, the reason we give, what keeps us going and wanting to be givers, the inspiration for all of this is that we have God in our lives, amen? That we give from a different place, a different heart that doesn't just go, well, I'm going to give, but like the world... Kind of does sometimes, like that definition says, not self-seeking. Sometimes people in this world that are givers, they give to get, right? They give only because they're trying to get something out of it. And we got to be careful not to be that. We give because God already gave. We give because we're supposed to have love for this world, and our giving proves our love for other people. We should just have this attitude. So we're godly givers because there's, there's people in this world, and you guys got friends, right, that like they do something nice for you, and you're like, wow, that's cool. They gave me a gift. And then what happens a little while later, they're like, hey, man, you owe me. And you're like, what? what? I thought you are just my friend, and you are loving me, and you're giving. No, you owe me, right? And there's people like, anybody got friends like that you can think of right now? Anybody that's sitting next to you right now? Like you just, <laughs> right? Hopefully not, but um, that happens. It's cool. It's church. That's why we're here, right? Um, but the, the world is always looking for... I'm going to give, I'm going to give, but it's going to make me look good. Look at me, my charitable donations, right? Or I'm giving, and I'm hoping that something comes back my way. we got to realize as godly givers, what Paul's going to talk about today is, is not that at all. It's selfless giving just because you have an open heart that just can't help but result in generosity. With that being said, I'd like to introduce you to a picture of the newest member of my family. This is Richter the dog, Okay. Official name, Richter Harold Moore, okay? Um, The reason he's called Richter is because my wife lets me name the pets and not the kids, right, the children, because the names I come up with are pretty cool names, but she won't let me give them to the kids, so she goes, okay, you can name the dog and, you know, whatever. I had Flash the bunny and Richter the dog, and the reason I like Richter is because of the Richter scale, and one of those, like, you know, extreme words that we use is, oh, that guy's going off the Richter, you know, it's like, yeah, that's like a cool term, so I said, let's name the dog Richter because I'm always trying to give the kids cool names so they won't get teased in school. Doesn't happen, but I got all my names, Spike, Ace, Flash, Killer, you know, whatever. I got, I got all these really cool names, so they're guaranteed going to be the cool kid in class. My wife says, no, not with the children. You can name the dog. So Richter is our newest addition to the family. He's about, what, 10 weeks old, 11 weeks old, 12 weeks old already? Wow, he's growing, little Richter. You're growing up <laughs> before my very eyes. But he, um, he's our newest addition, and uh, I, I told you guys this story before. My wife has always wanted a dog. I said, no, we got kids. That's enough. And she said, no, I really want a dog. And uh, I was going back, weighing the pros and cons. I'm not feeling it. And finally, one day, God just kind of goes, you know what? Your wife really wants a dog, and you know what? I'd like you to get her one. It was really a, it was a God thing. Believe me, it was a God thing because I didn't want the dog. But God was speaking... <laughs> If you love your wife, I'm calling you to do this. Do you love me? Yeah, God, I love you. You love your wife? Yeah, I love you. Okay, go get the dog. So out of the generosity of my heart as a godly giver, I get her this dog, right? And I get Richter, and she's promising me I'll take care of him, train him. He's not going to be a problem, blah, 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 right? Okay, you know what? I've made the decision, prayed on it, boom, getting the dog. Get the dog, and the dog is not all he's cracked up to be. The dog is... uh, Biting everybody, everything, with his little puppy needle-like teeth. You know, like, ah, you know? And he bites a little bit more. He wasn't completely potty trained. Uh, we have, we have like, laminate flooring downstairs in our house, so that's easy to clean up. But we do have one area rug. Nice rug in the living room that I thought, oh, good, a little soft. It looks great with the decor, blah, 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 right? And sure enough, Richter one day, just cruising around, ha, 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 looks right at me and, like, <laughs> just gives, I'm like, <laughs> just, like, mocking me, like, hey, you know, and he does this deal. And I'm just like, oh, and she cleans it up, and I don't really say anything, and he does it again, and she finally just, I came home one day, she rolled up the area rug, and it's out in the garage, and now it's just like a good hard, hard surface right in the living room, but I'm missing my rug because that rug was nice and soft, and oh, the dog peed on my rug, and oh, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything. And then Richter's like <laughs> gnawing on my kids and ripping stuff, and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And um, then finally... One day we come, and one of the kids goes, oh, look, Richter got in the house. And Kanani's all, oh, he pushed open the screen door. Nope, he bit a hole and came straight through the screen door. (laughs) And in my own personal flesh, in my head, I'm just thinking, that dog, he's about 5 pounds. He's going to get to 10. He's about 5 right now. So I think I could probably throw him pretty far. (laughs) And that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, get Richter and launch Richter into someone else's yard. But God convicts me, and God says this. God says, don't you love me? Didn't I tell you to get that dog for your wife? I'm like, ah, yes. Don't you love your wife and you know she wants it? Yes. Then what right do you have if you're a godly giver to complain about everything when you decided in your heart and you did it for me and you did it for love? Then shut your mouth, Carl, and just learn to love that guy right there. And so the lesson I learned is I am learning to make friends with Richter. And I am learning to allow him in my life because I want to be a godly giver. And this is like a silly little story, but this is the point of what Paul is saying. Let's have an attitude that blesses others around us, that blesses God, that blesses our own lives and and challenges us to be a little bit more Christ-like just in the area of giving. Isn't that good? So we can even learn lessons from our little dogs. So there's Richter and uh, don't come over to the house until we get him trained yet, but um, eventually he'll get there. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. The attitude we're talking about is this, find a need and fill it. As Christians, if you see a need, you see something and and God puts it in your world and your responsibility, do something about it and don't look back. Don't complain about it, don't do whatever. God tells you to give, just give and be a blessing. Um, Verse one says, Paul, he talked about repentance last week. Now he switches gears into two chapters on giving. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they're very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed into rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more. They went above and beyond what they were required to give, and they did it of their own free will. For they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. I want to show you where we're at, what he's talking about on the map here. Do we have that picture of the map? Let me make sure it's up on this big guy right here. Um, Here's what's going on. Paul is right now in Macedonia. And he is asking the guys in Corinth, we're reading the book of Corinthians, he's asking these guys down in Greece, he's saying, hey, you know what? I'm asking you guys to give. And remember when I was here about a year earlier and I talked about this, what I basically told you was our friends, the believers over here in Jerusalem, which was the headquarters of the early Christian church, right? Jesus came, he preached there, he did his thing there, he died, he went back to heaven. And so the the church he called to start was in Jerusalem. It became the, the area's first mega church, right? It was reaching people in the thousands. And then God said, Get out of Jerusalem, go into Judea, Samaria, the ends of the world give my gospel out to everybody. So what happened was Paul and others left out, started, started churches all around the known world at the time. And so he'd gotten all the way over here and he told the guys in Corinth, hey, you know what? The believers back in Jerusalem, a famine came and they're in poverty and they're hurting. You guys want to help me out? Let's go be a blessing. Let's be generous. So like about a year earlier, the Corinthians, this church he's talking to, they were all like, yes, we're going to be the first to give. We want to bless those other believers. There's a need. We want to get in there. We want to get on the action. We want to bless them. But between that year and now, they hadn't really gotten all the funds together. They started off all ready to go, but they hadn't really given the money. So now here's Paul up in Macedonia and he's writing, hey, the guys up here with me, Thessalonica, Berea, Philippi, the churches over here, they're all excited. They're poor, they're in trouble, but they got joy and they got generosity and they can't wait to give to the, the believers in Jerusalem. And now he's using that as a motivation to talk to the Corinthians to say, see how these guys are all like this? I want you guys to be motivated by these other believers into giving of yourself and to having this attitude of joy and generosity and being quick to give. See, there's a little point in this that says this. If you want to be generous, hang out with generous people because God will put people in your life to spur you on and to encourage you and push you towards things you, you need to do in your life, right? So if you want to be generous, hang out with generous people. We're talking in this sermon, how to be a godly giver. Well, guess what? Hang out with godly people, godly givers, and it's going to rub off on you, and you're going to be like this. When I was in college, my first semester of Bible college, years and years ago, in 1991, I believe it was, my first um, year in Bible college, I get there, and there's, it's in Southern California, small Bible college from our four-square denomination, and there's kids from all over the place, the Midwest and everywhere, and had a lot of kids from Oregon and Washington, and I remember that there's this one girl, and she, uh, you know, on a college student's budget, bought some old car. It used to be an old government car from like the 70s or 80s, big square blue car. It used to have like numbers on the side and everything. And um, it was just one of those old cars. You remember the old like big Fords and stuff with just the bench seats in the front, you know, and the back too? And they're like vinyl and stuff like that. And that's back in the day before any of us wore seatbelts. Remember that? Remember how unsafe we were back in the 70s and stuff? Seatbelts are just hanging on the side and people were like, whatever. I remember as a little kid in the backseat just standing up like, hey, little kids, like, hey, dad, you know, driving around. And like, that would never fly today, right? That's so scary. You have airbags and stuff. But she had one of those cars and it was just a beater. It was falling apart. It was what she could afford. But one day it stopped working. And she, she asked some other of the kids in, in my freshman, you know, Bible college class, hey, you guys are mechanically inclined. Can you help me fix my car? I got to go to work, I got to go catch a ride to work or whatever, but can you guys take a look at my car? And so they did. I remember two guys, Paul and Jason, and they went and they said, we're going to help this girl fix her car. And so what they did was um, she went to work, and they went and they checked it all out, and they were able to fix whatever was wrong, and they went to the hardware store and their, or the auto parts store, and they got the necessary parts and whatever, they fixed her car, but then they started doing something different. They got a little bit excited about giving to someone and blessing someone. And they just decided, you know what, if we're going to do this, let's go big. Let's be a blessing. And so they went and they got extra parts for the car. And, you know, these are college kids too. They don't have a lot of money. But they did just the easy stuff. Let's wash her car for her for free. Let's wax this thing. Let's see if we can even get it to shine. It's really old and done. Let's do this. And so they start cleaning the car and cleaning the rims and the tires, the armor, all the whole deal, the cherry air freshener, like, you know, I don't know, maybe the trees in the mirror, whatever, you know, whatever right, just trying to do their best. They even went so far as they went to the um, auto parts store, they noticed she didn't even have a stereo, and they went and bought, like, what they could afford, a little stereo and little speakers, and they installed that in her car, put seat covers on, you know, because there's, like, springs coming out of the bench seat and all this, and they made this car super nice. She came home from work, and I remember this, because I was watching all day. I was, like, going to classes and hanging out, and what are they doing now? Oh, what radio? Wow, it's kind of cool, and they're just, just fixing it all up. She came home. Hey, how's my car? Oh, here's the keys. Yeah, go check it out. It, we got it working again. Okay. She walks out to the parking lot. She sees it. And she's like, what? This car is clean. This car is shiny. Like, what in the world? This is a different car. She gets in, you know? She's like, stereo. Oh, my gosh. And seat covers. And she starts it up and the whole deal. And it runs. And like to the point where she's just like, oh, my gosh. I don't know how to repay you. Like, tears the whole bit. Like, I, and I remember seeing that and how cool that was. And I think other guys jumped in to help. But I remember wishing that I would have been part Of making that car get all together and blessing this girl because she was so over over the top just blessed and just oh grateful and thankful and I thought how good is that that those guys that were generous just went the extra mile to do that what a privilege to bless someone like that and Paul is saying these people in Macedonia begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in this gift for the believers and I remember to this day, those people, those two guys, two of my friends that did that for that girl, they inspire me to this day to be generous. You want to be more generous, this is the real, the thing we just said, hang around generous people. Find people in your life that inspire you to be more generous because I'm still inspired by that act all of those years ago. Here, it's a biblical principle. Let me prove it to you in a few verses. Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. You know that saying? You will become like who you hang out with. So choose wisely. Hang out with right people. That doesn't, say, that doesn't mean, again, we talked about don't hang out with non-Christians. That just says, make sure that the ones that are inspiring your life and speaking into your life and influencing you, make sure they're going the same direction that you are. You want to be generous? Hang out with generous people. 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. Watch out for that. Bad company corrupts good character. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You should be hanging out with people that are going to push you towards the things of God, that are going to move you towards generosity. I got a great group of guys that I hang out with in my life from the men of hope. And you know what? Take advantage of all the groups, the mini churches, the ministries that are going on in this church. If you want to become a more godly person, hang out with godly people. Men's fraternity started yesterday. I heard they had 50-something guys that are over there going, we need this because we need to hang out with each other because we need to get stronger in the Lord, so we're going to hang out with godly men, right? They made the choice. But see, you want to get there, you got to make that choice. You want to be more generous? Hang out with generous people. Get involved. Look at the the next verse in verse 7. We know that it's not enough just to to talk about being generous or just to hang out with generous people. You got to take action on it yourself. Amen? Amen. Come on, amen? Amen? We got to work at our generosity. Look what it says in verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. You know what Paul's saying? He's looking out for the Corinthians for the, the total package, the total Christian package. I want you guys to have the total life of a Christian. Yeah, it's great that you guys have a strong faith. That's good. But you know what? Also, you have... Gifted speakers, that's good. Gift your, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us. See, the Christian life isn't just about, well, I read my Bible. No, it's also, I read my Bible. I welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I attend church to be in fellowship. I continue feeding myself. I pray, I have a prayer life with God. I live a life of worship. There's all of these different variables. Last week's message, I practice repentance and forgiveness so that I can be free and, and ready to serve God in my life. There's all these different aspects of the Christian life. And Paul is going, hey, my dear Corinthians, you guys are awesome. You've been turning your life around. You're doing, you're so good in all these areas. Here's another area I don't want you to neglect. I want you to excel in this, where is it? Also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but actually I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Basically, if you're a good giver, then it's proving your love is legit. Because you can't just say that you love people and then you don't give. You've got to actually put it into practice. And so he's saying, activate your generosity. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus. Now he's using Jesus as an example. Our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus himself, the son of God, gave up who he was, his title, his position, all of that at the right hand of the father in heaven, co-creator of the universe. And he said, you know what? Because of my generosity, I'm putting that on hold. I'm stepping aside. I'm coming down to be human like you guys. I'm there to live a life of ridicule, of persecution, to go and die a death that I didn't earn or deserve because I love you so much. And he goes, think of Jesus, his generosity towards us. Don't you want to live a genuine life as well of generosity? Verse 10, he goes, so here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. How many of you guys know that what counts to God is how we finish? Amen? That we finish well, because anybody can start off strong. Anybody can get excited and be, I'm a Christian, and that's good. Yeah, that's good. We all start there. But the ones that matter are the ones that follow through, live the life, work hard at it, and we finish well. Does that mean we're perfect? No way. Not by any means. We try our hardest, we stumble, we get back up, but you know what? We keep going, and we finish well right? Paul talks about that in, what is it, Timothy, about I fought the good fight, I've ran the race, I've finished well. And so he's saying, what you started a year ago and saying you wanted to give, hey, finish it. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. And, and then he gives some, some practical wisdom. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly, don't compare, don't think that like I can't give as much as him. Just give with an eager heart, whatever you have, whatever you're able to. Give according to what you have, not what you don't have. That means don't over promise and under deliver. Just give what's available, do your best. That's what God honors. You don't have to talk big or go make big promises. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. He's not saying give everything away so everybody else will be rich and you'll just be poor. He's saying, no, just just be equal. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and you can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough. So either way, it all kind of balances out. But here's the point that he's trying to make and this is something maybe you should write down. It takes work to become more generous. You want to become more generous, you got to do the effort. you got to activate your generosity. Not enough just to talk about it. you got to begin to practice. If you want to get strong generosity muscles, you got to use those muscles. Amen? Because if not, then those muscles get atrophy, right? And they get weak, and they don't get used, and you're not quite as big of a blessing as God fully intended for you to be. We start off, we become Christians, we're ready to just give everything away to Jesus because we're so in love with him and what he's done in our lives. But if we don't begin activating that faith and that generosity and that spirit, we kind of sit back and then we kind of, they get atrophied because of selfishness, because of greed, because of pride, because of, well, I want to control my own life and I don't really have this extra stuff to spare. And those muscles get atrophied and they they get weak. I've um, recently, this past week, I got to go surfing like three times, I think, about three times. That's a lot for me in the span of a week or two weeks. Uh, Growing up as a kid and, and my younger years, married without kids and stuff, I was surfing all the time. It's what I love to do, and I was just always out there. And as you get older, and I got to you know deal with the church, and we're, we're pouring vision and energy into growing the church and loving that, and then my family, I've got three kids, and I'll make sure I got time with them. That's definitely a good thing, you know, more time with them than time for me in the water surfing. So I'm okay with that. But the thing is that, that when I do get to go surfing just for myself or with my friends, for fellowship or whatever, what I'm finding is... I'm not as young as I used to be. Anybody feel me right there? (laughs) And when I go out, I want to go hard because I hardly ever get to go. So I go for three, four hours at a time, right? And I'm just like, rah, because I got to keep up with all the young whippersnappers, right? Because I'm 41 years old right now, you know, 41 years young. And I'm trying to keep up with all the youngsters out there. And so I'm like paddle battling them, you know, and trying to like, rah, you know, go real hard, trying to keep up. But what I find is at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. And when I wake up the next morning, I'm old. I'm like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And praise God for the fact that my wife is a licensed massage therapist. Can I get an amen on that one? Oh, thank you, God. And so she's there to make me feel not as old. But what I realize is if I'm not surfing all the time, those muscles aren't in shape and in tune, and I'm not as flexible as they used to be. And it's the same thing with giving. We want to be good givers. We want God to do all kinds of stuff in and through us and be used in this world. But if we're not used to it and we're not using it all the time, it's hard to do. And we're not going to be as effective. So we got to activate that generosity by using it. Some of the greatest things that our church has experienced in recent time and months and years to activate our generosity, to create a culture of generosity in our church, is one of the things he's done is he's used Compassion International. right? That we as a church said, we are going to sponsor some kids. We're going to begin to exercise those muscles of generosity get out of our own selves and our comfort zone, and we're going to sponsor some kids in the Philippines. And because of that, our church has sponsored like 600 kids in the Philippines, five or 600 kids, and that's all you guys. Give yourselves a hand on that one. That's awesome. But you know what that is? That's learning to exercise and go, oh, i got to pay 38 bucks a month to sponsor this kid every month. But you know what? That's good for us is we're blessing lives over there it's doing a good work in us god in turn blesses us and we're learning to work out those muscles that thing we're doing with the bless kanioi you know it's kind of silly it's such an easy deal we're just trying to think of ways to work out the muscles and so i said why don't we just give something away for free everybody thinks the church is always about taking 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 let's let the church know that we just want to bless them let's let or let's let the world know that the church wants to be a blessing so we came up with an idea and it's it's an okay idea i'm sure we could come up with better but we did it last year. We just stood on the busiest intersection in Kaneohe and we just passed out like thousands of water bottles free to motorists that are driving by. Not when they're like driving. We're not like whipping it in the window, but <laughs> <laughs> we're waiting for them to stop. you know. And then please roll down your window. We have free water for you, right? And we're just blessing them. And no, no strings attached. Just we're from Hope Chapel Kaneohe Bay. We just want to bless the world. Here's, here's a free bottle of water on a hot day. And it's maybe seem like, oh, that's really, that's it. That's cheesy. But you know what that is? That's teaching us in our church and us as individuals, let's exercise the generosity muscles. Let's just do something to get out of ourselves to be a blessing to other people. So we got Compassion International. We got that. We've had several pastors come through that are starting new churches on island. They're not even in our denomination or whatever. We don't care because we're about the kingdom, right? So they come by, we have them preach in church, and then we take a love offering for them. And we bless them with several thousand dollars and we just say, we're, we're exercising our generosity muscles. Go big, go for the kingdom. So Pastor Elwinahu, New Hope Metro, we helped him start his church because you guys are exercising your generosity muscles. Pastor Joe Onasai Destiny Christian Church, we helped him get started. So we're looking for areas of opportunity to simply activate our generosity because it's not enough to talk about it. We better be doing it, right? And so we gotta look, it takes work. Another thing about this generosity is that it's outward proof of an inner life change. Generosity is outward proof of an inner life change. You know, when I activate those generosity muscles, you know what it tells me and tells other people that are watching me? Well, God must be real in your life because you're doing stuff that you wouldn't normally do. Remember we talked about if you want to have love, get used to crazy. If you want to have love for others, get used to crazy because God will ask you to do crazy things that this world thinks are crazy. And so when we give, we got to realize that by our actions... We are actually proving that God is real in our lives. It's an outward action of the inner work that God is doing. I read this quote this week and this is a really good quote to write down. You can give without loving but you can never love without giving. You can give because someone forced you to or you feel under obligation or something like that and not have any love but there's no way that you can have love without giving out of yourself, without giving in some way, shape or form. So, So our generosity kind of proves that we have God's love and his life change in our lives. Isn't that good? There's another thing about generosity that's talking about here. I really like this. He says, give what you can, give eagerly and give equally. That means don't compare your giving. That means that, that some of us are high rollers and we got big money and we got big checking accounts and we can write big checks to the church. However, there's other of us here that are like, I don't really have money. But you know what I do is I go teach in that children's church and that we should not compare big money to how much we're giving from the heart, from our time, from our prayer, even that giving blood, right? We give blood quarterly up here. We bring the blood mobile up here because we want to be a church that is giving in any way we can. So give blood. We'll do whatever. But don't compare yourself to other people thinking, well, they give a lot and I give a little. No, you know that this whole church is made up of hundreds of volunteers that are servants that are giving every single weekend during this service, they get here at like 4.35 in the morning, set everything up. There's people that are running cameras right now. Hi, guys. Thank you. <laughs> There's people in the, the Sunday school, the children's church, the all-stars that are teachers that are giving up their time right now teaching your kids. And we got to understand that that giving isn't any less than someone that writes a check to the building fund for a million dollars, although I would really love that. <laughs> hint, hint. But... <laughs> We cannot compare that kind of giving. God is basically just, just saying here in his word, just give what you can, who you are, whatever you got. It's more about the attitude. It's not about the amount. It doesn't matter the amount. It's just the fact that you're going, I got an eager heart to bless people. There's a need. I'm going to fill that need. And so it's, it's more not basing it on what you have or you don't have just whatever you got. Just be a blessing. And then he says this. He talks about this and how we, how we should give. I think it says this here. Give wisely and pray when you give. I live my life by this. Pray over everything. Pray over every decision you make. Pray over even when you should give because here's an interesting thing. There's actually gonna be times when God's gonna tell you not to give. You believe that? That we would think, no, God's a generous God. He wants you to give at all times. No, there's actually times when giving can actually be detrimental to the health of you or to the health of someone else. And what I mean by that is there's times that when we give, we gotta know when not to give because all we're doing is we're enabling bad bad habits, bad attitudes, or sin in someone else's life. If someone's always coming along, there's people that come to me before and they're like, hey, uh, Pastor Carl, pray for me. I gotta give up my, my smoking weed or my drugs or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll pray for you. Pray for them. Three days later, they come back. Yeah, I'm still struggling with that. Can you pray for me? Yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. Turns into like, this goes on for months and, and pretty soon I get wise enough to realize this isn't helping. Why do I keep offering prayer and make you feel good about yourself, but you don't do anything about it? You know what God's actually saying is, and this is what I told the guy, you know, you know what, I'm not going to pray for you anymore. You need to pray for yourself. You need to get things right with God. You need to take action with your own problem. You need to stop hanging out with guys that are selling you drugs. You need to stop hanging out with people that are taking drugs with you. You need to make some changes in your life. My giving prayer, oh, poor guy, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. All I'm doing is putting a band-aid on, temporary fix, but I'm not after the full healing of the individual. You guys understand how sometimes giving is actually a time to say, I'm not giving in this circumstance because you need to go deeper to the root of your problem, right? We have friends in our lives we're always loaning money to, always loaning money to. And at some point we need to say, you know what? Enough of me giving to you. You need to go to Financial Peace University and learn how to budget your money, right? And so all I'm doing is enabling you. And so there's times when we need to stop the enabling, that giving our time, our love, our money, our this, our that, shoulder to cry. On. There's certain times when you have to pray and God's gonna say, You know what? It's time for tough love. It's time for you to withhold a little bit and encourage that person to get on with their own life. Does that make sense? I hope that doesn't sound mean, but I just think it's a biblical concept um, that we got to pray over when to give and when is a wise time to give. Another time not to give is when your giving overly to someone is going to jeopardize your giving to someone else. What I mean by that is I was at a conference where a pastor said they heard another pastor speak huge church and in the middle of his sermon he just kind of something occurs to him the holy spirit speaks and he's preaching on something else and he just takes like a little bit of a detour and he goes and you got to balance your time well and you got to make sure you're spending enough time giving out to all the people you're ministering to but you got to minister to your family because they're the number 1 ministry in your life and he went on to say how his adult children had come to him and said dad we just got to tell you something you know you give so much to all these people but we don't really have any good memories of you in our lives growing up all the years and how it affected this pastor so much. He's like, oh my gosh. And they're like, you know what? You gave out to so many other people that you forgot to give to us. And see, that's a wrong way of giving. That's when we got to use wisdom is when we're given to all these other people, the pastor said, the only ones that are going to be standing there at your gravesite when you're dead is that family, not all those other people that you gave out to. And so there's a proper balance of we need to give to other people but not to the detriment and the sacrifice of the ones that are closest to us. Amen? So me, even as a pastor, it's like, hey, I, I want to bless, and I want to be there for all of you guys, but guess what? On my day off, you're not getting in. You're not getting in. Sorry, voicemail, <laughs> come back tomorrow, right? Because my family is important, and I can give all I want, but i got to make sure I'm giving to what's most important in my life. So there's, there's times we got to use wisdom. we got to pray, when do I not give? Because it's not a wise idea. And then he goes on he talks about giving with integrity. He says this in in 2 Corinthians, if you drop down to verse 20, because he basically just before that says, we're going to send Titus, a godly man, and a couple other godly men to take the offering from Corinth and take it down to Jerusalem. And we got accountability there. He says this, we're traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way that we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord. But we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable also. He's saying this, when you give, give with honor, give with integrity. Don't give with the thought that says, what am I getting out of it? Don't give with the thought that says, oh, nobody's looking. I'm just going to withhold a little bit and I'm going to give the rest of this. If you're going to give and God tells you to give, you just give it. You don't look back and it's all for God's kingdom, all for his glory. It's all for other people because love motivated you to do it. He's saying this. There's a there's a story I heard recently of someone that said there's a woman that came to church and she's coming to church for a while. She was giving, she was tithing, she's giving to the church and giving offering and doing all this this cool stuff. And everybody's happy. That's really great. See God in her life. But then there came an opportunity for like a job to come up in the church. And she really wanted that job and she thought she was gonna get the job. And the church decided, you know, with wisdom and everything, oh no, that, you're not cut out for that job, and we have that job for someone else. But the woman got mad and said, You know what? I hope I get all my tithes back. I hope I get everything I give this church back. And a friend who was strong enough and wise enough came by her and said, hey, wait a minute. Who are you giving to? Were you giving to God and his purposes or were you giving so that you could get a job out of it? Were you giving to get something out of it or were you just giving to God as a godly giver from a right heart, being honorable, being integrous and just going, I'm doing it because of love and I'm not looking back. And so she actually called this woman to accountability and said, what is your intention? What are your motives for giving? Because if we're going to be godly givers, we're not giving as to seeing like, well, I give to the church all the time. They better fix that children's church over there. They better go repaint that thing. They better do this because I'm giving my money. We got to come to the place in our lives where it's not just about the church, but investing in our friends, our family, our, our neighbors, whatever. If God tells you to give, you just give and you don't complain and you don't try to throw Richter over the fence because he put a hole in your screen door. You just give because you love your wife. Amen? And so we give with integrity of heart and we be careful that we're giving for the right reasons. And now we finish chapter eight. Are you ready for chapter nine? We're gonna blast right through it. I promise we're gonna crank them. You guys ready? Here we go. Look at this chapter nine because it talks about the exciting results of giving. He says this, and I'm gonna read right through this and I'm gonna give you three principles of giving and three results of giving and we are gonna finish on time. He says this, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. This is interesting because he's saying this, hey, you know what, the Macedonian guys, they're giving because they heard you were giving. And in chapter eight, he just said, I want you guys to give because the Macedonian believers are giving. So what he's basically saying is, you see when you hang out with like-minded people, generous people, you both inspire each other to give. And that's kind of neat that he's going, now they're inspired because of you, and I'm asking you to be inspired because of them. He says, but I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready as I have been telling them and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure that the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Again, this is about a generous spirit of giving. This isn't tithing, right? We don't set and decide, God, I'm gonna give you 1%, I'm gonna give 3%. Tithing, we know the word tithe means a 10th. So we're not preaching a sermon on tithing. He's just saying, when you give, just decide and be smart and give what you feel like you're called to give. He says, um, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And that verse is Proverbs 22, verse 8. God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's good that when you're giving, you can know that God is always going to remember that I'm giving. He sees everything that I'm doing to give out generously. That verse is in Psalm 112, verse 9. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who produces seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That is an amazing word right there. Amazing topic about giving is that when you give out generously, God will then increase in giving back to you your resources so that it will produce a harvest of generosity, meaning you will give out again. And it's this amazing cycle of blessing that happens in our lives. You give away, God gives back to you, so you can give back again. So he can give back to you again, so he can give back out to other people again. That's an amazing concept in scripture here. He says um, in verse 11, Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, which is too wonderful for words. That's the end of chapter 9. Two chapters down, boom. All right, all right. So now we're going to get to the meat of it. What is God trying to say to us in chapter 9 that we just read right there? Three principles. Are you guys ready? Write these principles down. These are good to know about giving. Three principles of giving. Number one, willing and cheerful generosity inspires others. When you are a good giver, other people are going to see you, and they're going to get on board, and they're going to continue to want to give. Paul said, look, I told you the Macedonians are inspiring you, but you, the Corinthians, are inspiring the Macedonians. Good things happen when people are challenging one another to be more generous. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So answer this question. Maybe answer it at mini church. Who inspires you to be generous? But who are you inspiring to be generous? Because it's not just you that's getting inspired. People are watching you. People are watching is that guy really a Christian? How does he live his life? And the more generous you are, they start to get on board and go, wow, that's cool. How do I get on that? I want to be like that too. Willing and cheerful generosity inspires others. Some, someone came to me not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, a good friend of mine, said, Pastor Carl, you know what? Because you do what you do and you keep on doing what you're doing and the way you live your life and you give, that inspires me to do what I do. And I was thinking, wow, what a compliment. That's cool. But then I thought for a minute, I said, wait a minute. The guy that's telling me this you actually inspire me to do what I do. And so here's this thing of people in the body of Christ trying to seek after God, going the same direction. You start to inspire one another. Do you see why it's so important that we push mini church so heavily? Get around other godly people. You're going to motivate each other, right? And get involved in all that God is doing in your life. Generosity inspires others. In Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Do you have those kind of friends that are sharpening you? Because you should, you should be sharpening others. Here's the second principle of giving. Simple one. The more you give, the more you receive. Real simple. The more you give, the more you receive. God has given me a ministry on the side, other than the church or whatever. I run this little secret ministry out of my garage. It's a little secret ministry. It's like nothing illegal, just to let you. I'm not like moonshine or something like that. I got got like this little secret thing I do out out of my garage. I've learned years back is that when I saw someone in need, I had extra surfboards, and so I gave a surfboard to someone, and I thought, man, that is such a good feeling to bless someone, bless a young kid that didn't have money or whatever. I gave him a surfboard, and then I found out as I became generous with that, then God would provide for me. I've had several uh, surfboard shapers, professional shapers, just like what I'm doing, literally with like, hey, God loves you. He wants to bless you. I shaped you a brand new board. I've had that several times. I've had people drop off anonymous free boards for me in my office and things like that, and I'm just like, what? And then I got all these other boards and used boards. And so I'm like, well, God's been blessing me. I need to go bless some more kids that don't have boards. So I'm doing this thing, this like little surfboard ministry thing, right? And it's not for everybody because I don't have a whole supply of long boards for beginners. But for a lot of the kids, the boards I have fit their size and their ability. And so it works. And the weird thing is that I've learned about this, this principle we're talking about. The more you give, the more you receive. I found out the funny thing some of you guys already know. You can't outgive God, right? You can never outgive God. So when I do my little ministry and I give boards away, you know what happens every time? God replenishes my boards. And I've got this rack in my garage that my wife is like, seriously, Carl, get rid of some boards. And I'm just like, I'm trying. <laughs> I am trying. I give boards away. Other boards come right back in. I'm like, I'm sorry. It stays full. I don't know what to do about it. But God is giving me this. And this is just like a little silly like ministry in my life, but I've seen it time and time again. Why is that darn rack always full? I'm trying to clear space. I'm trying to give my wife more garage, but every time I give stuff away, stuff comes back in. So I know that God is basically saying the simple thing is, if you are a giver, you're generous, I'm gonna replenish you. I'm gonna give back to you. And the third principle is this. God increases your resources so that you can increase your giving. He doesn't just give back to you because he goes, hey, you're a good giving person, be blessed. He goes, be blessed, and I've given you a little bit more so that you have to give back to more people. And here comes that cycle of blessing. There's an expectation as believers that if we are generous, God's gonna overflow and increase our resources so that we're like, oh God, you gave me too much. And he goes, yeah, I meant to, because that's not all for you. Give some of that away. And then you give it away, and what happens? He replenishes, and you gotta give away more, and you get more people into the cycle of blessing. Some of you guys in this room have never, ever tapped into this cycle of blessing. You've never taken a chance to really go above and beyond and be generous. And I'm not plugging for our church. I'm not saying give money to church. I'm just saying, we're Christians. We gotta be generous. And when you begin to practice this in your life, you get, you get this high of giving. How the word says, it's better to give than to receive. That's actually true. And me, I like to receive. I like Christmas. Anybody? Christmas is good. You get gifts. We get presents. Birthdays, hey, that's cool. But you know what? When you're able to hook someone else up and bless someone's life and do something, you get charged out of it. you like, oh, that felt good. What else can I give away? You know, like, oh, God, let me give this thing away, right? You just start looking around because you just want to go bless something. Here, somebody want this. You know, and you just get, you get fired up. And so I think there's this, this concept of God increases your resources because he expects you to give away. Those are good, yeah? Here's three exciting results of giving, and we're going to end with these three. Number one, plain and simple, needs get met. You're meeting people's needs. And like I said, there's no better feeling than blessing someone and hooking up someone's life when you see the joy on their face. when I remember those Bible college students when they blessed that girl, I was so bummed that I didn't get to be a part of making her day like that. I was like, oh man, I wanna do that. Needs are met when you give. The second result of giving, it builds people's faith in God. When people are praying and they're waiting for God to show up and you get to be used in the process of blessing someone and hooking them up with whatever it is that they need, they understand Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider, right? God hooked me up, God took care of me, and they will be strengthened in their walk with God. Uh, not too long ago, well, I guess it was a long time ago when I was a youth pastor here. One of one of my kids in the youth broke his surfboard. Okay, again, it goes back to surfboards. This is God's deal in my life, right? But he um, he broke his board, and he didn't have money, and. And I was, like, feeling bad for him. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, let's see where can you can get a cheap one. And then I, I heard God speak to me, give him one of yours. I was like, whoa. I heard it real quick, give him one of yours. I'm like, okay, wow, all right, I'm going to do it, wow. that's kind of, I'm going to do it, you know. And so I told the kid, hey, meet me tonight before our stoke service. I got something for you. So I was all excited to go home, like, oh, man, which board do I want to give him? And whatever. And God goes, give me your new one. I'm like, no, not my new one, God. like, okay, seriously. <laughs> How's this one? And only I was like one ding it's not bad I said give me your new one. no God come on seriously right and God said give me your new one so I, oh man okay I'm gonna give my new one and when you give him your new one right God knew already when not if when you give him your new one tell him it's because I love him not you you're not in the picture here you're just the tool right so I c- called the guy over to my car one night and he you know right before church and I go hey man I got something for you I heard you broke your board Got something for it, I give him. He said, like, oh, wow, a surfboard. He takes out and he's like, a Takoro? Oh my gosh, right? Wade Takoro is one of the greatest shapers in Hawaii, right? He's like, a Takoro? It's like brand new. And I go, yeah, I know, don't rub it in. <laughs> just take it and be happy, be blessed, right? But I said, I said this, no, you know what? When you take this board, I go, God told me to give this to you and he told me that he loves you incredibly and that's why he's blessing you with this board. It's not me, it's him. And what did I just say here? One of the results of giving You build people's faith in God. That kid knew that God loved him, and I was able to be part of the process, and that's exciting. The third exciting result of giving, it proves that God is in your life. When you do things and give things that you would not normally give in your right mind, crazy love, right? You can just go, oh my gosh, God, you're real, because why would I do this? I gave someone a a Jeep Cherokee once, a year before someone had given me the car when I was in need, and I drove it, and then God provided money, and I was able to get a new car, And then I found this guy in our church working in the multimedia. You need a car? I got a car. Here's your free car. And he's just like, yeah, wow, excited, right? He drove it for a month, was coming down the pulley on a rainy day, flipped the car, rolled it, crashed, totaled the car. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? He was okay. And then I'm like, what are you thinking, dummy? I give you a free car. You crash it in the first month, right? I started to want to be mad at that. And God goes, no, no, no. When I call you to give, you don't look back. You don't worry about the consequences. You don't judge. Yeah, he wrecked that that brand new car, whatever. You just give because you're a godly giver. And this, this third result of us giving is that it proves God is in my life because I wanted to be mad at him. But God said, no, just be a godly giver. Be humble. Just give because I told you to. It proves that God is working in my life. Proverbs 21, 26. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, love to give amen Amen. let's pray lord we love you we thank you we actually father god we want to take up the call and the challenge to be godly givers to be more generous than we are and lord that's saying a lot because this is a pretty darn generous church and i'm so grateful for that lord i love to be around these people and what you're doing through this church in our community in our world in our personal lives lord it's fun to give it's fun to be around a crowd of people that like to give lord but i pray that you would increase that all the more Lord, because we want more blessings. We want to change the world in bigger ways. Lord, and we want you to use us, not just our money, but Lord, our attitude, our time, our words, that we could give people compliments, generous, loving words. Lord, our prayers, our our volunteering, just whatever we need to do. Lord, I pray that you would make us even more generous. Lord, we want to be godly givers, inspire us to do so. Give us opportunities this week, maybe even after service, Lord, where we could either treat someone to lunch or give a ride or share resources or give money if you call us to or whatever, Father God, our time. I pray that you'd provide opportunities for us to step up our game, Lord. We want the whole package. We want to be complete Christians. And as I'm continuing to pray right now, there may be some of you here that aren't Christians yet or maybe you're, you might have been, you thought you were when you are little and you've fallen away or something, but you, wherever you're at right now, you feel far from God. If you're at a place right now that you're, you're saying, you know what, I need to be back on the program, I need to be with God, I need to have Him in my life, I want to know what it is to, to be generous, but to receive the generous gift of His Son, Jesus, dying on the cross for me, to give me eternal life. If that's what you want right now, you want to really just say, the bottom line, I want to be a Christian, I want to know God in my life, I want to see Him moving, and I want to be forgiven of my sins, I want to know that I can have eternal life in heaven when I die. If that's you, I want to say a prayer right now. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. I'm going to pray the words out loud. I'm not going to ask you to pray them out loud because you might be scared to do that in a room of people this size. But I'm going to ask that you in your heart of hearts would agree with the words I'm saying and you would pray along with me in your heart. After this sermon, you can go and you can go outside and you can maybe confess with your mouth. You can basically tell people, hey, I'm a Christian right now. Give glory to God. But for right now, it's a heart thing. God judges us on our hearts. So I'm going to ask that if you want to pray to receive Jesus, to be a Christian, to know that your life is in God's hand and that you have eternal life starting this day forward, I'm going to ask that you would pray with me. But I just want to know who I'm praying with. People seated around you have their eyes closed, their heads bowed. But if you want to say this prayer with me, I'm just going to ask you to do one simple thing. I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and say, hey, Pastor Carl, I want to pray that with you. I want... God in my life I want to know that I'm a Christian and I want to see what he can do for me so on the count of three if you're going to pray with me I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and we'll just go real quick one two and three just lift your hands if that's you I see one I see two I see three I see four I'm looking around I saw about four people if I don't see you God for sure sees you stoked unreal best decision you'll ever make I saw about four maybe five people here today and we are going to just pray right now yeah praise God um If that's you, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you, if you raise your hand, put them down, and you disagree with me in your heart, this prayer right now. God, I'm here right now, and I recognize who you are. I think I do. I'm beginning to understand you are good, you love me, and you want to do big things in my life. So, Lord, all I got to do is surrender to you, say yes to you and your plans. Lord, I repent of my sin. It's meaning what Tom said last week. I turn around in the direction I was living for myself in this world, and I turn to you. Lord, from this day forward, I choose to follow you. Lord, I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He paid the price for me. And sin is nothing more than missing the mark. Lord, I wasn't living for you. I missed it. But because of Jesus now, I am living for you. And I'm hitting the bullseye because of what Jesus did for me. So right now, Father God, I I acknowledge and I receive that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose again on the third day. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated sin and darkness and hurt and shame in my life, Lord, so that I can live eternal. So, Lord, I, I, I embrace all that you have for me. From this moment on, Father God, I, I, I want everything you have. Lord, I promise to read my Bible, to pray, to go to church, to surround myself with other believers, to receive the power of your Holy Spirit, to do the miraculous in my life, to get baptized. Lord, there's a baptism next week, Lord. I want to let the world know this decision that I'm making. But most of all, Father God, I'm telling you, I'm yours. I will follow you. I look forward to you changing me and all the things you're going to do in my life that I don't have to fear death anymore because I'm going to heaven for all of eternity. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for all that you've done. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the church said, amen. Amen. And let's praise God for those five people this morning. (laughs) Praise God. Pastor Tom.